So I think it depends on one, analyzing right up front, how motivated are you? Are you in a comfortable, miserable place? Or do you like, are you done with it? Are you going to break out, cat out of the box, no going back? I refuse to live my life this way anymore. And I say right on my website that, you know, we all have a target client and mine are highly motivated individuals who are interested in change because those are people I personally have the experience and the talents to help. Today we have on Anne Scotland. She's an author and a consultant and a specialist in emotional well-being. She does innovative corporate trainings on work-life integration and individual fulfillment. You can find her on her podcast. She's got a popular Twitter feed that draws millions of views a month. And she also has her own compelling weekly show. Her energy and enthusiasm, you can really feel it in our conversation, and it must be what attracts clients just worldwide to her workshops and retreats and her own flagship program, The Power of Joy Transformation. She's a uniquely gifted teacher, and it must spring from her really varied background that you're going to hear about in our conversation from academics to entrepreneurial and an unusual upbringing as well. Anne's singularity springs from the blend of her academic background, her entrepreneurial experience, and probably to her unusual upbringing. She also draws from her personal quest for joy, self-actualization, and her global vision, the way she's been around the world and works with people all over the world. So let's jump in. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Chad. I'm so glad to be here today. We are really excited to talk with you, to hear about your work. Um, yeah, we're, we've been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you Me for too. being here. Me too. It's been a while um, at coming and I've been just so eager. So I'm glad yes, to finally for sure. Up. Yeah. So let's just launch in. So you're uh, mainly executive coaching and that's yeah. one of your track with within coaching. Yeah, mainly uh, executive coaching um, and and business coaching in general. But I guess we'd call it mostly corporate coaching. Coaching in the last couple of years, um, I've done a lot of um, wellness consulting for startups, uh, and I've done a lot of training in the last year to going in and bringing, especially COVID times, right, bringing emotional wellness message into the corporate space. Um, yeah. Ideally, a two-pronged approach where I am working with executives, so teaching them how to best support their teams, and then also working with the teams themselves to, you know, kind of a dual approach, find how they can enrich their own personal wellness, emotional, mm-hmm. you know, emotional health, um, job satisfaction, life yeah. satisfaction. So that's been really fun. Um, my only big thing is I, I so miss being in the room with people, but it's getting more and more. Yeah. So <laughs> me too. Yeah. We, yeah, we've, uh, we felt that pain a little bit more <laughs> lately too. So talk to us about how you landed uh, in your mess- message around joy. How did you get to kind of the central idea that that's, that's really kind of the crux of a lot of your work? Yeah. Um, I think, um, it's a twofold answer. Um, one is people ask me all the time, what's the difference between joy and happiness? And I mean, they are cousins and it is subjective, I realize, but I think from, um, a 
contemporary Western culture, happiness has become very associated with things, uh, possessions, who you are, what you wear, who your significant other is, what kind of job you have, and either you're kind of happy or you're not. <laughs> it's like one mm-hmm. or the other. Uh, for me, joy is more of an, a much deeper intrinsic experience. I think we were born with the birthright of joy. Mm-hmm. And we experienced, most of us experienced as infants and little children, that kind of abundant joy where you're not holding back. You don't care what anybody thinks about you. You just, you're like, ah! right? You don't care. It's wonderful. Um, And uh, so I do think that that's something that we're born with and we never really lose. And it can become an enormous stabilizing factor in our life if when we reconnect to it. You know, so Mm -hmm. many times we suppress it or we feel we don't have time for it or we are hard on ourselves and feel like we don't have a right to it. Like, unless I'm really stressed and working hard, I mustn't be a good person. Not realizing the value of that joy. And as you guys know, the emotional well-being of that. Um, so in yeah. principle, that's part one. <laughs> but as we, uh, as we, we're, we're uh, Enneagram practitioners and yes. I think we, what you're talking about, we would call uh, as a child, you're closer to essence with that. Mm-hmm. You know, before you get into the fixations of your personality, I like the way you're defining the difference between happiness and joy. You know, I do. I remember, too. I don't know if it was the entire 2000s leading up to the past um, couple of years or certainly in the 2010s. Boy, there was a lot of those best selling books on happiness. I mean, everything between everything between manifest it by ideating it and, you know, and attracting it like it was a secret to hustle and make it all happen (laughs) and everything else in between. Uh, And now it seems like a lot of those very, um, those very writers and practitioners are like almost like unhappiness experts. They're like, why is everybody unhappy? Everybody's burned out. (laughs) No, that's so, so true actually. And, um, And I think that that, you know, sometimes people get attached to a topic because they have an idea of wishful thinking in their own life. Now, I'm the first one to say, teach it and learn it. You know, you as you go is often one of those powerful tools. Um, But I think for me, it was pretty clear. Um, I grew up in a very strange environment, um, a very, very right wing religious home uh, in the Pacific Northwest um, to just nitty-gritties like no TV, no radio, no fiction, long dresses, grow our own food. Not the normal American lifestyle. And I was homeschooled till I was 15 and a half. And after that, I went to very, very conservative religious schools. Um, And I was one of those people who could, uh, you know, convert you on the spot almost because I had the personality right for it. Uh, Um, Right. Yeah, you can sell, right? Right, I could sell. sell. I was born the born gift, right? Yes. But um, I found that there was a lot of disconnect in there for me um, and, you know, nothing against religion or anyone's religion, but how it, how it interacts with you and how you interact with it would be very important. So mm-hmm. I found that success in that area and in front of the people I grew up around was, you know, one of the signs that you were a good practitioner was that you were very joyful. And so I would put on a joyful face, even though most of the time I was really discontent and unhappy and deeply depressed underneath. Hmm. And that disconnect for someone, an empath like myself, over time, that disconnect with your own soul, basically, and you guys get this totally as Enneagram, um, was just 
devastating. And then later uh, in life, I got married extremely young, unfortunately didn't know it to um, a sociopath. Mm -hmm. Um, And that relationship ended very badly after a few years. And I was very, very lost. Um, And I kind of lost touch through that whole experience, not just with who I was, literally had no clue, but also had the entire rug pulled out from under me as far as my trust in my spiritual experience and all those things. Mm -hmm. So um, I really began then my own quest for joy. Like, I want to live an abundant life. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to cry every day. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I'm already a a sensitive, empathic person. So it's easy to take on all of it. So how do I break out of this, um, out of the suffering and into the joy, basically? So it became my own personal quest, even though I was still on varying professional journeys. And once I really got into the coaching and then consulting and emotional wellness, I just knew right away that joy was going to be my message. And so mm-hmm. that's how it was born. <laughs> I love that. Can you share with us, and maybe we're getting into the book a little bit, but share with us your path to finding joy. What did that look like? Yeah, the path to finding joy. Whoa, so many elements there. Um, I think the first and foremost is getting out of your own way, which I hate that phrase because it's, you know, kind of pedantic. But um, when you change your focus from self-focus to being other-focused, it can really strengthen you and start to bring out your joy. Now, let me clarify around that because when I say other focused, I don't necessarily mean the way I grew up, which was that you should be a subservient doormat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, by other focused, I mean watching your behavior light up the faces of other people, truly bring them joy. When I had gone through this horrific divorce and chronic depression and physical breakdown, um, I finally one day I woke up and I can't do this anymore. Like I'm so, it's just, there's nothing. What am I going to do? And I'd had a mentor and friend um, years before advise me, you know, when you're really in a stuck place, start giving back, get involved in working for other people. So I went, looked around at that particular time. I joined Amnesty International. I became one of the directors of their chapter. And for two years, I spent a lot of time working on um, especially women's issues around the world, especially women's issues in the Middle East, and realizing how fortunate I was and how much freedom I had and how for me to live a life anything less then my absolute potential was cheating all those people who literally weren't there yet, who were being prevented from having those opportunities. And it's hard to sit around and have a pity party about yourself when you realize that, when you're actually, you know, you're, you're trying to intervene and help women who are imprisoned, who are in their homes or in their communities and other things like just kind of mind blowing. And it really kind of gave me that uh, universe kick in the pants, you know, let's get going, let's make a difference, let's embrace your joy by sharing joy. So that was kind of what I stepped into. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people who say, and I'm not finding fault, but you can't share it unless you have it. Well, my personal philosophy is I beg to differ because I think when you don't have to have it to create it and share it, and when you share it, when you share joy, for example, you get it back like fourfold. Mm-hmm. When you bring a smile to someone else's face, you get that back. It's like a reflection, a powerful reflection. And so getting out of your own self-obsession and moving into um, focusing on bringing joy to those around you will bring you so much joy in most cases. It really can transform your life. It makes me think of um, 
I'm thinking about the PERMA model in positive psychology and I'm trying to, the relationship. So it's um, positive emotions, uh, engagement, Mm -hmm. relationships, meaning and achievement. And so this, this relationship piece, and I tell people, and I, I studied um, some of the science of happiness years ago. Oh yeah, and I was like the the foundations of happiness. I really f- or joy, and if we can sure. we can right, call sure. it something a little bit more substantive. Um, one of them is the quality of the connections in your life, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's sounds like a lot what you're talking about, like able to kind of get out of self mm-hmm. and into like really authentic connections with people, mm-hmm. not only in your current orbit but mm-hmm. also like serving other people who, who need what you have. Um, so right. I love that. I think that that's a big, it's an often overlooked part mm-hmm. of this whole formula. So I'm glad you're saying that. Because like you're saying, you know, it's important and healthy to have your own healthy support system. So that's an area of, of, of focus that's considered a norm for mental wellness, right? Um, not everyone gets it as easily as others. Some people are very short supply. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that prevents them also from really embracing joy and connecting. Because we are all really, you know, I mean, we won't get too religious or philosophical here, but essentially oh, we we're one we organism, right? Like we're all connected. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, people talk about six degrees of separation. And I'm like, well, at the heart, there's almost there's no, no separation. separation. I mean, I've traveled all over the world. I've been to over almost 40 countries or more. And I've met people in every possible religious, political, and economic strata. And there's been almost no one who I couldn't connect with, instantly have that bond with over something that we had in common, you know? So it's, it isn't, there are, they aren't hard to find. (laughs) So can we press into this just a little bit deeper? Um, Because I'm, I'm curious as a coach, you know, and, um, and I coach as well. And so we probably both have clients who struggle um, to get out of their way or to get out of that self-focus. Like how, how did that actually like walk through the steps, the Mm -hmm. path, like how did you do that on a day, Mm -hmm. kind of a practical basis? Mm -hmm. Um, did it involve meeting? Uh, I think we had a podcast recently with, um, Sebastian, one of our friends who's a poet and writer, he would go and like meet complete strangers and like wow. try to f- meet them in their life and what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. So, and that was how he kind of got out of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious, how do, you, how do you do that? How did you do that? And then how do you talk to people and coach them through that process? Because it can be challenging. Yeah, no, it really can be. Um, I think... I think the level of success is you, is often proportionate to the level of your desire. Because mm. I coach people, a few mm-hmm. people, most of them don't stick around for too long, who don't really want to be happy and well. Meow. They don't really want change in their life. Their whole identity is wrapped up in a victim mentality that isn't serving them. And there's not much you can do if they're not have the personal motivation to change. In this case, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not dealing with severe mental illnesses. Those people I'm referring out to you guys and others, right? (laughs) Um, But I'm talking about kind of your common garden variety of, you know, unhappiness, isolation, you know, how do you reach out? So I think it depends on one, analyzing right up front, how motivated are you? 
are you in a comfortable, miserable place? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or do you like, are you done with it? Are you going to break out? cat out of the box, no going back. I refuse to live my life this way anymore. And I say right on my website that, you know, we all have a target client and mine are highly motivated individuals who are interested in change because those are people I personally have the experience and the talents to help. But, um, you know, finding a cause is fantastic. Something that really resonates deep with you. So for me, growing up in an extreme conservative religious culture where women had a very minimal role, Um, For me, I emotionally connected to international uh, women in extremely religious cultures who are suppressed. So even though they weren't, say, identical to my story, I had a very deep sense of empathy with them and and understanding the frustrations. So when you turn someone's lights on, something they already believe, something that they're already super passionate about, something that if you put that situation right in front of them on their living room couch, they would stand up and do something about it. That's the kind of drive that I try to help my clients find. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go back. What, what, got, what turned your lights on in previous years or as a kid or in high school or in college or when you were part of a group or a community that you just had this energy you woke up with in the morning, not because, you know, didn't have a cold, but because you were just excited about the difference you were making. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a career. It can be a hobby, a volunteer, you know, opportunity. I mean, there's so many ways. So that's just one way of sort of opening and identifying it and then pursuing it because the drive is already there inside you. Mm-hmm. So what do you, yeah, what do you tell good. when they come to you? And, and I assume you're, you're mostly working as an executive coach with people probably dissatisfied in their job or career, uh, not happy in it. What, what do you, what do you advise them if they're wanting to, to make a career transition? Yeah. It's a really good question and obviously one that's come up a lot the last couple of years. Oh boy. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, the great right? resignation. Right. And uh, you know, and I, I work with companies on, you know, employee retention on the other side of the same conversation. So um, but uh, you know, I think first of all, um, for most people, a drastic change without a lot of planning isn't ideal. There's that occasional person who jumps off the bridge into deep water and comes up swimming and is happy and never looks back. But for most of us (laughs) with families and friends and communities and jobs and bills, that isn't always, you know, and having worked with so many actors and artists as well, obviously I see this all the time. um, That's not always an, an instant change. So I say, yes, you know, how many hours a day you get to spend doing something that gives you energy or versus what saps your energy is a critical factor, but it's not the only factor. So I would say reach out in your community, find something that gets you engaged, turns your lights on, um, makes you excited again, or creative. What if your whole life since you were in high school or college or even younger, you always wanted to be a writer or you always wanted to be an artist of some other kind. And then, you know, life, marriage, kids, family, job, the whole thing got in the way and you haven't picked up a pen or thought about writing for 20 years. 
Well, that's a little part of who you are. That's a little part of your soul there that you're neglecting. No wonder you're not feeling in your best self. So go back and try to revisit that. If I'm coaching you, let's carve out some time. We're going to rearrange your schedule so you don't lose anything, but that you have that protected time to get that creativity flowing again. That alone can work wonders before we stop starting talk about quitting jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm coaching a creative client who's already an artist, I'm a big, big um, believer in day jobs, survival jobs, whatever you want to call that. Like I get, let's get you set up in a remote job that you can do whatever hours you can work and still do your creativity, still go on your auditions. And when you're making so much money down the road in your creative life, then you can drop it. But not until you're making more money doing that than yeah. you are in your day job, right? Yeah, so let's, that's a complex let's take subject. Care of ourselves, <laughs> right? Absolutely, I totally agree. I was I saw someone say recently, I think on social media, what a privilege it is for those people who are able to be artists. And you know, if if we wouldn't it be nice if we all were able to be so privileged and how many people want to be artists? And someone um, responded, no, it takes tremendous courage to be an artist. And you have no idea how hard it is to be an artist and some of those things. But I do think that, you know, there we celebrate those who took the chances and who were the less than 1% who were able to make a living out of it. But yeah, there is this part of and a lot of times you got to support yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of creatives might be surprised the things that might bring them joy that they might do. You don't always know in advance until you just start experimenting and jumping in, right? Well, and, and I'm a perfect example of that. So over a decade, just focused on the acting and entertainment business, um, mm-hmm. 100%, which is hard, which causes generally severe depression in almost all practitioners, which is mm-hmm. incredibly intense and um, mm-hmm. self-effacing in so many ways. Um, and yet here I am through that journey and you know, being determined to also provide for myself and have a job. I've stumbled in, if you will, to something that gives me as much, if not more satisfaction. And I still have agents and I still audition and I still was in a a movie that just came out on Amazon. So, you know, this, it's still there, but I've also realized that I'm getting so much joy and satisfaction out of this, out of teaching and helping and healing and, and, and helping companies and individuals that I don't miss that I'm not, I'm not at home pining anymore. Oh my God, they didn't take me. You know, I know they got 3000 submissions for this one line thing and you know, it's just never going to happen. And no, it's like, cool. Be there, do this in the moment. I'm totally in it. I'm totally on board. And then I get to, you know, submit the audition and get on the call with a coaching client and I'm happy as could be again. I'm just boom. Right. So, so yeah, follow. I think we tend to try to there are some downsides to this goal-oriented wellness industry that we've had for the last 20, 30 years because it doesn't always allow for organic growth, organic mm-hmm. evolution of ourselves. It forces us to stay in this one track. And I knew a lot of creatives and actors who were doing that. One, I will never give up. I will never give up. I will die before I give up. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But because of that, they've lost their peripheral vision of all these opportunities Mm. the universe may be throwing at them. And they're just like, I'm not going to look. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. 
I can identify as I, when I was like uh, trying to be a novelist, I was like, I am going to this. I'm well, a, it's so, it's so tricky because on tricky. the one hand, you kind of need that level of burn the ships. I'm committed. <laughs> I'm That's in. right. Like to, to have that dream a reality, but on the other end, like there is a reality, right? We are human beings. We are in a human body. We have to eat food. We have to buy food. Like there's there's things that when we talked, we did a whole podcast series before I think back in the summer on callings oh, and yeah, the, right. the, this idea that you can have. Well, we believe you do have more than one calling. It's yeah. not the specific fixate like this is the only thing, and I'm going to pursue it forever. And I think too, like mm-hmm. different seasons of our lives call us to different things. And so being open and flexible to whatever is showing up in your life, um, I think is the message that I hear you saying. Yes. And that that's the way I think life was intended. I mean, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I mean, we, we were... we're we're in this culture where we're, you know, encouraged to individualize in a certain way, right? And at the same time, um, stay one track minded and like fully focused and not not be human, not listen mm-hmm. to our environments and listen to the options that come to us and not and realizing, okay, so what are the tools that really helped me when I was you know, back there going, what? I have three degrees. I'm a medieval historian. I can't get a job. I've in, I'm acting. What is that? My parents think I've lost my mind. Um, I would really, my gifts around teaching, healing, motivating. I don't even know what I would be do with that. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. Like, I don't even know. Like, this is so just like nothing connects. And I remember one day I said, okay, that's it. And I got out my, I had a pen board on my wall and I just did this huge mind map. I said, I don't care what, everything, every element in my life that I can possibly think of is going on this board with a line attached to something. (laughs) Nice. And eventually I started seeing the patterns and I was like, oh, oh, so I could write screenplays and make movies or I could act in the movies or I could write a book about history or I could write a historical novel or I could teach creatives how to manage their business or I could have a business that helps creatives or I could have a business that motivates other professional business people. And pretty soon I was like, oh, see, nothing's wasted. And this is one of my absolute (laughs) favorite principles. I think we're getting... Ever wasted. No, we're I getting totally a little insight agree. into how your your brain works. Well, I, it sounds love, like some serious mind mapping. The the multi passionate entrepreneur, you know, and this yeah. there is something to be said for that. Like, mm-hmm. um, and and I think understanding having discernment around the timing of those mm-hmm. things. Like, I really love X, but right now I can't do X. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a hobby. Maybe that's some. We mm-hmm. talk about this a lot. Maybe that's something I can do while I'm pursuing my career. Um, so I think, the, yeah, this the, the really mentally healthy people that I know have a lot of mental flexibility. Mm-hmm. The more rigid, the more kind of one-track mind, mm-hmm. I think that's where, for me, where I see people get into a lot of trouble. Although yeah. a lot of mentally unhealthy people, uh, when they get fixated, they do arrive at some of those dreams, <laughs> just to be a little contrarian yeah, there. And, and yeah, and I, I, yeah, I agree. I yeah. think there, and that goes to the the goal kind of driven yeah. society that we live in. But, well, I wanted to, but at you, what cost? That's yeah, what, I, and that's, that's usually the people that 
Ann and I probably end up seeing, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, it, well, you've really been uh, authentic and, and vulnerable about parts of your story, which we really appreciate. And it sounds like I can I can hear your own method at work on yourself uh, in a lot of this. Do you, is it in the power of joy? Do you, do you have a method that with your clients that you work with? Um, how do you approach them sort of, do you have a system? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm liking the word method here because I'm thinking method acting. And then I was like, okay, so my mm-hmm. next book is going to be, <laughs> have the word method in it. Nice. <laughs> so the, so the there's next a line book, there, right? If we go back right. to mind, there's a there line is. in the mind. There's there. a line. I'm not a dedicated method actor. I take the bits of everything. I think that resonates with what I just said too. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit of Meisner, a little, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so my next book is going to be a lot more a method-minded, if you will. Um, the um, uh, Live for okay. Joy is more of uh, – it's a very unique book. It's a self-empowerment book. Um, but I wanted to write a self-empowerment book that was something – you could get a huge benefit out of even if you only had a minute or two, mm. as opposed to reading a whole book or a whole chapter, even listening to a whole book or a whole you know, audio chapter. Like, what if you just need that little punch? You know, and probably some of that comes from my religious background where, you know, like if you wake up and you, you know, find one very short passage of some religious, you know, literature, you read that and that's your thought for the day. It's a great method, right? It's a great delivery system. Right. So yeah. this book was, um, is about joy, but also about emotional wellness and emotional balance. And it's, uh, it's more about little bits of thought, deep thought, philosophy, motivation, and inspiration to get your day up and going. Um, and it's also spectacularly beautiful. So this is a 285-page book. Um, I know your listeners can't see it, but it's an incredibly beautiful hardcover book. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh, very definitely. handsome. Every single page has um, a small quotation, all original content, opposite fantastic pictures it's beautiful. or art. Yeah. that speak very specifically. Um, it sounds funny, but I, every single one of these pictures I picked out myself um, because mm-hmm. I wanted this to be a full experience kind of book. I'm a very experiential person, so I want you to see it and hold it and feel it mm-hmm. and also read the words, and if the words don't speak to you, the picture will. So, for example, even if um, I'm showing right now, I'm showing you a picture of an apple looking in the mirror... And all it sees is an apple core. Yeah. So this picture all by itself, and you you know, gives you a feeling, right? It and does. Then mm-hmm. What the words opposite are, we believe our perspectives are truths, yet they are merely reflections of our own interpretations. Wow. The, so, the production that went into that book is is clearly no a big investment. The publisher here is like, this is amazing. You have that no must idea. have cost a lot. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question. I'm I'm curious about because um, you just said the word balance. Mm-hmm. And I, so I still believe in work-life balance. Like I know there's, oh, yeah. I, I think that we completely overthink it. We're putting mm-hmm. new words to the same concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you help people think about this? Um, mm-hmm. Especially like the teams you're working with, high stress environments. How do you go in and teach and train and talk about that? Yeah. So, um, so last, I think in 2020, I opted, I um, adopted the phrase um, by choice, specific choice, work-life integration, because I feel like 
we again can separate ourselves into these modules that becomes very scientific and we're no longer a whole being. So just in my conversation, in my words, I try to say, listen, your work goes home with you. That's what happens. You go to your, your home life comes to work. That's what happens. You're still the same person. And now with so many people working from home, how can we integrate in a healthy and balanced way that works? What do we need to slash? That's no longer serving you or your or your business, your income. Um, what is the family? At what point do you draw boundaries with the family and say, listen, I have to do my job, but I'm not drawing boundaries with you all the time. I'm not making you feel like you're excluded from my life. Um, how do you work in your health, your fitness, your wellness into all of that? So for me, it's, um, I mean, I'm never against a good mind map, but you can, Love me it's about map. how can you <laughs> integrate, too. how can you integrate um, in a a really healthful way and how can employers help their in their employees find personal life satisfaction personal health and wellness in a way that supports the company if you have happy healthy employees you're going to make more money and it's not it's a little bit backwards but i feel like covid has been the season to really stress this and i'm not going to let it go we're not ever going to go back to the way things were before yes. emotional wellness is a conversation that's here to stay forever in the workplace yes, and i agree i think that is very exciting on one hand and also very challenging, but mm-hmm. I like a good challenge. So um, continuing to educate management and executives um, is huge. And then supporting employees with real life issues. I'm a single mom. I have kids. My company doesn't pay for childcare. Okay, well, maybe or maybe not your company is ever going to pay for childcare, but let's take this. This is a real issue, and it's not all success or all failure. Let's figure it out. Let's find a work-life integration that works for you, right? So that's where I would come in with an employee like, okay, what's your big challenge right now? What is not working? And let's let's find a way to figure it out. Um, yeah. So that's kind of – and then in, in balance in general, um, well, if we have time in one minute, I'll also – tell you some of the contents of the book chapters, because it gives you a little essence, too, of sort of how I approach the whole person. <laughs> well, yeah, tell well, us. Yeah, please share. Okay, okay. I'm, interested. I'm a one. Can you tell, by the way? <laughs> are, are you? I was wondering. I'm a one. I always yeah. wonder. I never <laughs> tell. Yeah, it's really sure. hard not to type people, though. <laughs> right. Um, Enneagram, by the way. vibes. Right? Yeah. Um, so uh, understanding your potential is huge. To me, um, we tend to just see the dailies and where we fell short. So that's a huge area that I work with my clients. Um, I have a chapter called Set Your Navigation, which is understand your potential and then set your navigation. When you have a GPS, sometimes we put in side trips and sometimes we stop at Starbucks and sometimes we change the destination altogether. Yeah, Shelly's got a Pavlovian response to uh the Starbucks. She's like, I can see that lot. I don't need a GPS. She she sees it (laughs) and we pull over. I can see that with my eyes closed, right? Um, One of my favorite chapters, which is kind of what we started out talking about, which is be a benevolent world citizen as part of being a balanced human being. And I would take it a step further and as find deeply finding your joy. So there's a whole chapter about that. Mm-hmm. Nature is my guru. Personally, I cannot get enough. I am at the moment in, um, I live in California, but right now I'm at my cabin up in Idaho by a lake. And I see mm-hmm. these 200 foot trees around me and three feet of snow and deer walking by from my desk. Nice. <laughs> and nature is 
calms and builds. And even if it just means going sitting on a park bench, but connecting and, and remembering that we're part of nature. We're not looking at nature. We are nature. Nature right. sees through our eyes and walks in our shoes and, you know, quit doing the, the me versus it and start really understanding and learning. And are I won't in, go Are you in McCall? I am in McCall right this minute. Yes. Oh, what a lovely place. <laughs> it is lovely. On Sunday, I went skiing. I'm Brundage. Tomorrow, Oof. I'm going cross country to Bear Basin. Yeah. So that's how I get my exercise. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That is exercise. Um, and then, you know, one of my very favorite, I've got Listen to Your Inner Genius. You guys can see where that would lead. Open your heart to joy. And then encourage yourself. So don't just rely on other people's to motivate and inspire you. So learn those mm-hmm. tools. And my probably my favorite chapter title in the book is actually called Learn to Love the Endings. Mm. Because we so often see endings in anything as a bad thing, whether it's a job or a relationship or the end of perfect health, or you know, it, there's so many different things in our life and we that we see. Mm. Um, the endings are bad, but instead I say part of joy is finding finding the positive in the endings, seeing them as beginnings. There's even a movement in the wellness um, industry, which I'm sure you know, around um, uh, death positivity, which is a whole separate conversation and not mm-hmm. something that Western culture is used to discussing very much. No, um, not at all. We don't like talking anything about death, no. much less positivity. Um, yeah, yeah, so compared to, say, Eastern or especially, say, Indian culture, like such a different emotional response to those words. Um, so here I'm going to share with a picture. There's a very cute picture of a older couple, um, drinking coffee outside on the sunset. And the message says, gratitude and joy are ageless, even as time goes by. Mm -hmm. Gratitude and joy are ageless. Wow. Oh, that's a great picture. Well, you're tantalizing our audience. Yeah, that's really, I love this. I love that you like the, the the beauty and simplicity and accessibility um, all wrapped up in one book. So, yeah, I cannot wait to get our hands on that. And we'll definitely yeah. link it in our show notes as oh, well. Oh, thank you. And I hope, yeah. um, you know, I make more on the digital book. But I wish for you the hardcover <laughs> okay. or at least the paperback book. I don't make anything on those, but I can yeah. tell you it's worth having. Um, get both, right? Uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> people have it. On their bedside table, their coffee table, their desk. Yes. You can just open it or you can pick a chapter that speaks to you and just, you know, go to that chapter and get some, like, some reinforcements for your day Um, and the visual. So it is a really kind of a special tool. And um, my next book will be much more traditional, but this is very special in its own right. Yeah. Well, I've uh, restarted my morning routine, which I'd gotten out of the bad habit over the holidays, uh, really for a long time, if I'm honest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I want to, like, I want to use your book as a, as kind of that centering practice in the mornings. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I'm going to get my hands on awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. And you. then, but I also have a freebie for your listeners if they want it. Yeah. Um, well, yes. Yes. So I have a free joy journal um, on my website. It's a hidden okay. page, so you'll need this URL. So it's just anscotland.com slash joy journal. And that my name is spelled A-N-N-E. 
S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N and scotland.com slash joy journal. Um, you can get it there. You can download it. It's color. It also has images and you can either print it out for the people who love to do the good old fashioned longhand journaling, or you can just type right in it digitally, whatever works for you. And it's a one week journal that is really helps you create more awareness in your life around joy, what's bringing it to you or what's sucking it out of you and just kind of starting place to create that joy awareness. So check that out. Oh, that's great. Well, it's bringing us joy to meet you and to talk with you. Uh, This is a delight. The book um, is Live for Joy and Anne Scott is your first book, right? So nice. Okay. Bonus. Well, it's in my cart right now. Actually, Yay. I might go back and reorder it. Actually, so it you doesn't. Can order okay. Yeah, if it's from Amazon, it should. It's. It all comes around the same. Gotcha. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, very good. And thank you so much Thanks for, for being your time, here man. and sharing your heart with us and your work. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot more that we could and should and would like to dig into. Um, I think that you, our paths are so similar in the work we're doing. And I think we, I, I've learned a lot just from listening to you today. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. It's been my pleasure. I've just enjoyed this so much. It's just wonderful to meet both of you. Within this episode's one big self takeaway are five themes on Anne Scotland's power of joy. One, how your experiences can all connect and the power of actively reflecting and mind mapping. Two, how you will change when you are ready to change and not before. Three, the power of joy when it comes down to intention, co-creating with your life experiences, both the good and the bad, and working on the fundamentals, in other words, the power in simplicity. Four, we also hear that we are nature, we're connected to nature, we're not just in nature. And finally, five, we also hear don't quit your day job until you're really ready to make that creative leap, And at least for most of us. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Big Self Podcast. We'll see you in two weeks.